Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And it is your Friday here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to be part of today's program, all you have to do is pick up your phone. You know the number, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-922. And, of course, news bursting at the seams. But it's Friday. You know what that means. Princess Di is coming up. Also today, we're going to check in. With the co-host of the podcast On the Border, Todd Benzman. We'll do that later on in the hour. <clears throat> First, where to start? I know. Here's a good place. Joe Biden's approval ratings suck. <laughs> they really do. I mean, this is just, um, excuse me if that's, you know, I, I'll, hold on. Debbie, I'm sorry. I have a friend out there that says I'm not supposed to use language like that on the air because it's offensive. Debbie, I'm so sorry. Joe Biden's approval ratings are in the tank. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Worst resident worst worst approval rating since a president in the 1950s. And most of you don't even remember who was in the 1950s. I do. Yeah. Who was who was it? I'm just going to do a random test. Who was president in the 1950s? Name one of them. I was talking to the young guys. The guys that know everybody, every piece of music that's in uh, Guardian of the Galaxy of the Guardians or Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then after Eisen, okay, this is for you. One question. Who was president after Eisenhower? Five seconds. Four. Three. Is that Kennedy? I'll be darned. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was Kennedy. Okay. Anyway, since the 1950s, yeah, Joe Biden's doing worse. 41% of Americans approve. This is Gallup, too. This isn't some quote-unquote right-wing poll like Rasmussen. This is Gallup since 1950. 41% of U.S. adults approve of the job Joe Biden is doing a year into office. And doesn't it seem longer than that? It seems like he's been in office for like six years already. And because the fatigue factor, it's like every time. By the way, there's the political organization Polifact. The other day, Joe Biden, after a speech, turned around and tried to shake hands with thin air. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what is he doing now? This poor man. And it really was kind of pathetic. He turned. He was shaking. His hand was extended like he was shaking. There was nobody there. Now, Polifact, the so-called fact-checkers, have come up with an excuse for this. 
that he wasn't really shaking hands with thin air. He was trying to wave back with his hand to a crowd and just kind of wave the crowd back. And that's, it's like this makes no sense. They will go to any length whatsoever to, to say the unimpossible. I have a dear friend of mine in the studio with me. He's laughing. He's a lawyer. <laughs> and then, you know, when lawyers laugh, usually that's a dangerous sign. Keith Wolford, he ran against uh, Attorney General Letitia James. So say hello to everybody, Keith. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. You ever notice with President Biden, the networks that love him never show him moving to a stage or off of a stage? They only show him up there at the podium, up the lectern. You know, the networks that know what's going on show him hobbling in, show him hobbling out, show him shaking hands with thin air. You notice how that happens? Right. You know, I, that's funny. I didn't notice until you said it. That's right. The networks, that, that would be like PMS, NBC, or, or CNN, poor CNN. The usual suspects. Poor CNN. CNN Plus. <clears throat> yeah, and poor Chris Wallace. Can we all say happy Friday to Chris Wallace? Yeah, Chris Wallace went over to CNN, and he made a big deal. Once he got there, he got up on his haunches and started talking about how he hated Fox. He hated all the people at Fox, and he was going to have this great gig at CNN streaming, CNN Plus. He did one interview with Jen Psaki, kind of called her on the and now Chris Wallace doesn't have a network. CNN Plus. Two million people. Whatever made these people think that two million people would want to actually stream CNN? Two million people don't even watch it. They don't even watch CNN. I'm not kidding. I'm not making it up, and I'm not trying to be funny. In their prime time, we used to laugh about this at the Rush Limbaugh show, because in prime time, Rush Limbaugh had more people listening to his radio show than the entire CNN network had all day long. Right? They just, yes, it's true. And he had more more people doing his radio show, Rush Limbaugh did every day, than PMS, NBC, and CNN put together. No one watches this stuff. But yet they get advertising, they get the advertising dollars, and they get all the rest of it. But so Chris Wallace goes over there, and now he's going to rag on. Fox paid his salary for so many years. He goes to CNN and he starts ragging on Fox. And within and within a week of him ragging on Fox, he has no job. Well, you know, you know what my brother calls CNN. I won't what? expose it. But the Chinese, the Chinese restaurant and news, because you watch it for an hour, two hours, there's no substance. You didn't get anything. You don't know. It's like a restaurant you go into. You got to go somewhere else to eat. You watch CNN. You got to turn on a network to figure out what actually happened. Lawyers. Um, <laughs> okay, here's some serious news for you, ladies and gentlemen. And again, Princess Dye's coming up. We have we have to talk with her about this Kevin McCarthy thing. That's all in the news today. But Randy Weingarten, who is the um, president of the American Federation of Atichas, has warned warned that legislation similar to what happened in the parental rights bill, may have dire, dire consequences. Very dire. Dire consequences. Not good. Yeah. Wait a minute. Show your face on the camera. Don't be walking in here and ducking and all that stuff. Wave to everybody. 
Come around and wave to everybody. Let everybody see who you are. Thank you. I got to show off the shirt. Yeah, show off the shirt, Philip. We didn't get a kid. Come on. Yeah, see? That's Philip. Okay? He just brought me in the story. Thank you, Philip. <laughs> He's one of the millennials around here, by the way, that's been kind of schooling me. Yeah, I have a, my, my whole crew is millennials, and they school me. They do, because, you know, I'm not hip anymore. <clears throat> Who said that? I'm just saying. Because I didn't know that U, U Child from, you know, Five Stair Steps. You know U Child? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was in uh, uh, that movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. You didn't watch Guardians of the Galaxy? I saw it, but I didn't remember. I mean, I was like, you know. See, he knows. <laughs> See? <laughs> See what I mean? They'll be schooling. Okay. So anyway, Randy Weingarten. The union, one of the most powerful labor organizations in the country, has tried to walk a tightrope. That's what it says in the coverage. They haven't tried to walk a tightrope. This is the union that refused to go back to school when the pandemic was on because they didn't care what you parents had to experience, okay? They just want more money for their teachers, and that's it. That's what they care about, They, in my view, in my humble opinion. Uh, they have said now... This Randy Weingarten is saying, we have a lot to do to help kids recover and thrive this year. After two years of an unprecedented pandemic, when we teachers didn't want to show up to go to work and screw those kids the whole two years. But now those little miscreants are back and we have to deal with your children. Well, she didn't say all that. I'm saying that because that's what she really means. Okay, so rather than help our kids socially, academically, and emotional, these vocal minorities want to marginalize LGBTQ kids, censor teachers, and ban books. That's what Randy, okay, she's upset with the Florida law. So let me just, for the sake of Ms. Weingarten, please try to understand this, Ms. Weingarten, and the rest of you holier-than-thou liberals. There is nothing wrong with parents saying they don't want their young children sexualized in school. And that includes, it is not an attack or marginalizing LGBTQ kids. It is saying that teachers should not have a role in over-sexualizing young children, period. Leave those discussions to the parents. And if you call that censoring teachers, well then, okay, you liberals don't mind censoring the rest of America, all right? And then as when it comes to banning books, choosing not to have flagrantly liberal, hateful books in a classroom, you may call that banning books. The rest of it call it discrimination. And discrimination is a good thing to have discrimination, to be able to discriminate against something that's harmful and that is not harmful, is one of the responsibilities of parents. So, Ms. Weingarten, please, go back on vacation, go back to your, your pandemic stance, and let the parents handle this, okay? James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, when we come back, Princess Di, don't go away. Entertaining and informative, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air, 77 WABC. W A B C Talk Radio 77. It's Friday afternoon. 
Now, normally at this time we have fanfare for Her Highness. I'm going to skip the fanfare today because I want to get right to it. Princess Di, thank you for joining us, Your Majesty, Your Highness. Forgive me for not playing your fanfare and don't behead me, please. (laughs) I am so happy to hear from you, Sir James, anytime. Thank you. I wanted to get right to it because we have a lot to talk about in the time that we have. Let us start with the John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage Awards. Now, I remember reading Profiles in Courage when I was a kid. It was one of the books that I read. And little did I know at the time when I was reading Profiles in Courage, I hadn't read the whole story about PT-109, nor had I read the involvement of Joe Kennedy Sr. in making PT-109 the big national historic story that it was. All that aside... After PT-109, now this becomes the Kennedy Camelot Award, the Profiles in Courage. And it is supposed to represent the ongoing, these are the most heroic of hero people in America. And they are, of course, picked by the JFK Library Foundation. And this year, the JFK Library Foundation has included among the potential recipients of the Profile in Courage Award... None other than Elizabeth Cheney. Oh, and by the way, that president of Ukraine, that uh, Zelensky guy. But they, but they have nominated their true hero, Elizabeth Cheney. <laughs> what in the hell? <laughs> well, you know the old phrase, those who can do and those who can't cheat. Uh, teach well in this case it's those who can do and those who can't give each other awards and so this is a political leftist crown from the left primarily who are so excited when anyone goes against donald j trump and one of the tweets that exemplify this is from occupy democrats who tweeted big slap in the face to trump They get so excited when there's anything that, in their view, makes Trump look bad. You know this isn't going to have any effect on anything, and she's getting the award from the people she tried to please, and that is all she's going to get is leftist sort of, although they don't like giving awards to Cheney's, they're going to grin and bear it in this case because they think it's a slap in the face to Trump. Yeah, I wonder what's next. Are they going to also ask Halliburton if they'd like to get a Profile in Courage Award, too? Maybe. (laughs) Exactly. Well, interestingly enough, her quote is, in America, we have seen how fragile our democratic institutions can be, and we have learned that they do not defend themselves. That was her quote when she was told she got this award. So she thinks of herself as defending Democrat institutions, and to that I say, thank the Lord for the people who are defending liberty by throwing you out on your rump. Thank you. And we hope that that is certainly the outcome uh, this coming November. All right, let's talk Kevin McCarthy now. Kevin McCarthy <laughs> made a big deal the other day. This is the, the Senate, I'm sorry, the House Minority Leader who wants to become the House Majority the Leader. Speaker. The Speaker, yes. If he, if Republicans do take over the House in the midterm elections, as everyone is forecasting, except for one or two lonely holdouts. So. Uh-huh. Kevin McCarthy, there's a new book. The book, okay, this will not pass, Trump, Biden, and the battle for America's future. In the Uh book, the authors reveal that Kevin McCarthy had been bad-mouthing Donald Trump. 
And Kevin McCarthy rushes out. No, no, no. This is fake news. I never, oh, I never badmouth Donald Trump. Not me. I'm a Trump butt kisser. Not me. I kiss every inch of his butt all the time. And I'll even plan to kiss on my own lips after I get through kissing his butt. Okay? So, that's what he wanted us to believe. They had audio. They had audio. They had audio because Kevin, here's a here's something you should learn, Kevin, pal, Kevin. Your own caucus will sell your ass out because they're Republicans. And Republicans love selling other Republicans out to the mainstream press, especially to the Amazon Prime Washington Post or to the New York Times. They sold out Romney. He had a fundraiser. Everything he said was on TV the next day. They'll sell out any Republican. And now they've sold you out. And they made you look like a total freaking liar that you are in national politics. Now, so after. I just have been enjoying this story so much because, as you know, I am not a fan of the Republican leadership that has been in leadership for my whole adult life. And this is exactly who they are. And Kevin McCarthy has been pretending. To, and I, I, the thing that's interesting about this is I think the impact politically on the midterm elections, which I think was why this was leaked, is going to be zero because Republican voters already know this about the Republican leadership. The guy is spineless, as the New York Times uh, mentioned, that he appears uncertain and indecisive. So we, we know this. He can't be trusted. He's a liar. He's a backbiter. He's a backstabber. And all of the other things that we know about him that he actually wanted Trump to leave. And Mitch McConnell is covered in this story. And he said the Democrats are going to take care of the son of a bitch for us, meaning in impeachment, they were going to get rid of Trump. So Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are revealed as the traitors and saboteurs that we know they are. So so I don't think this is going to affect the vote at all. I think we know this about our leadership. I think we're enjoying when they are held up publicly as the pusillanimous weaklings that they are. The other thing that's interesting, James, about this yes. is the early reporting is that Trump himself is not upset about this, which is fascinating because the reason given – this was in The Hill and some other reporting sources close to Trump – they basically say that Trump now knows they have to kiss his MAGA ring and they have to they have become politically weaker so that if he does make another run for it, they have to demonstrate constantly their loyalty because he has been made stronger by this revelation Trump has. And the Republican leadership has been <laughs> revealed as who they are, which is weak. So to me, that is an interesting wrinkle, is that Trump would probably prefer weak leadership in these positions that he can control rather than strong characters who we would prefer in, in Congress that would give him a fight. So I think that is the political interest on this, is that Trump is perfectly happy to see these guys embarrassed so that he has more political strength. All right. Now, let, let us 
talk about something here, and, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to get to this so we could have time to talk about this. For years, uh, Princess Di, the Republican base has wondered, why is it that every election season we elect all these conservatives, right? They all come out, no matter where they live, except for the Sue Collins types, who we know right. are, Sue Collins doesn't have to be anybody other than Sue Collins, and she's going to get elected if she does a good enough job being Sue Collins. And by the way, for the most part, I like Sue Collins because I understand who she is and I don't expect her to be anything other than who she is. Right. So I don't get my hopes up for Sue Collins on certain votes. And then when she does pull for the Republicans, I'm grateful for it because that's who she is. Unlike Lisa Murkowski, who's just a total winch. But that's another story. Now, so we all look at it and we say, we elected these people. They all ran as conservatives. Now they're in Washington, and now we're upset with them because they're not delivering. We watched them stab President Trump in the back time after time. We've watched what they've done over the years. We've watched how, for instance, they never defended Rush Limbaugh but always wanted something from him with their hands out and wanted him to do carry their water every election season. We've been watching this, Diana, for decades. Yes. Why does this? And here's my theory, and I wanted to get yours. There are about 40 real conservatives in the House of Representatives. They're in the Freedom Caucus, and that's it. The rest of these people that run around every election in the Republican Party saying they're conservatives, they're not conservatives. They're not necessarily card-carrying rhinos either. Some of them are, and those we know, like the Mitt Romneys, he's a rhino. Like the late John McCain was a rhino, and some of the others. They are total rhinos, but then there are this other group And it is a large group. They're middle-of-the-road Republicans. They don't want to annoy their Democrat friends on the Hill. And they want to go home and they want to play nice. And they don't want to be in this political warfare business that these mean conservatives want to be in. And so my theory is there never has been a conservative Congress. What is your theory? I agree with you. And I think part of it, as Rush used to always talk about, is who owns that town? Who is in charge of the social events in that town? It's the left. It's the Democrat leadership. And Republicans, if they want to have a social life, have to do exactly what we see they they have been doing for decades since Newt Gingrich, basically, is they betray. That's how you get news coverage. If you betray the Republican Party, if you rush to the cameras, you are going to get coverage. You're going to be vetted. You're going to be complimented. You're going to get, you know, appearances in the media and all kinds of of support from your own town. I just read today the wealthiest counties in America are in Maryland and Virginia. These are the these are the people who work in Washington. That is where their bread is buttered, including most of the Republican Party. This if they want to have be kissed by the lobbyists, if they want to get invited to the best parties, if they want to be seen by the media, which is the trade paper, the Washington Post, as somebody worth paying attention to, they're going to betray their voters. And they've been doing it for decades. And I think one of the things that Donald J. Trump did for the rest of the country is reveal how deeply corrupt the Republican Party has been. I think a lot of us who've been paying attention sensed this, but we now see it. 
And I don't think there's any putting that genie back in the bottle. And I think it's going to affect this election particularly, where you have many more MAGA uh, candidates who are going to be going to Washington. Thank you, Princess Di. Appreciate it as always. You're brilliant. You're brilliant analysis. We look forward to catching up with you on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza tomorrow. By the way, we're going to be debuting a new song from Chris Jasper of the Isley Brothers tomorrow morning. You're going to want to keep in, Ooh. Yeah, the whole <clears throat> the whole three hours tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. We'll be back. Thank you, Princess Di. Thank you, James. We'll be back right after this. Oh, knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. What the hell is this? This is from one of your producers for a long time that you've had, Rich Radabali. This is from his earlier DJing days back when he was a youngster like me. And he played this song very often when he was a DJ, and he wanted to play this song just for you. Ooh Ah from Gina G. She sounds like Madonna. That's what, I'm not kidding. This is what Madonna sounded like on the first record. Oh, I agree. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, let's party back. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden with you here. I love that uh, throwback to disco. Hey, Rich. Cool. Bro. Okay, listen. Um, Keith, you had an alternate view of the discussion. You heard the discussion with, with Prince Di and I. Princess Di. Yeah, uh, I did. We didn't transgender did. gender you, Diana. You're, you're still all princess, baby. Um, what you had, you said you had a different theory on both both things. You had an alternate theory. Yeah, look, James, I'm not a politician. I'm in yeah, private you were. Life. You ran against no, the no, 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 James. No, but I came out of private life, out of real life, to go into politics. I'm not a career politician, not a politician at all. But I understand the politician mentality because I spent all the time in it. And there are a bunch of Republicans who are in very conservative districts, and they can be as conservative as they feel. But there are a lot of moderate Republicans, you know, who might otherwise be more conservative who are in moderate districts, R plus 5, R plus 7. And anytime they do anything truly conservative, they got to deal with the local liberal media, which first chance they get, they quote whatever liberal whack job professor they have handy in their back pocket about anything sensible that anybody tries to do in these slightly Republican districts. So instead of having the opposition riled up, these people are not going to go all the way to even their natural conservative instincts because they got to deal with the nonsense of politics. That's the alternative theory. Okay. Now, you may be right, but can I just mention something? What we have seen in Florida should be the role model for the Republican Party from now on. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, chose to lead and you see this with this with what he's done with the rodent kingdom. Now this 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 rodent you are you are a member of the law profession by trade. Can you this rodent kingdom thing down there where all of a sudden Disney can't be its own government? Yeah, well let's let's talk about this. So so I'm an exile as you know James to to Florida. I live in Florida after being the nonsense up here in New York for a long time. And New York had a lot of great things, but it's been circling the drain because we don't have leadership. 
Now, contrast what Florida's done. Disney had this crazy special tax district for 50, 60 years where they basically got to have their own government and call the shots and pay taxes to themselves. Now, that's a special favor, the kind that Democrats usually whine and moan about. But, you know, they like Disney, and so they let it go. Now Disney has decided we're going to take the special favor but enrage everybody who governs in the state of Florida. And the people who are governor of Florida say enough already. You don't get your special goodies anymore. We're taking them away. Right. And so now Disney's saying to people, oh, this is going to cost you billions and billions and billions of dollars. Oh, you idiots. How dare you take away our special privilege? It's going to cost you. Does that make sense to you? Look, obviously that property there and that special district where Disney has invested hundreds of millions of dollars and generates hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue, they're subject to taxation. So <laughs> if the government takes it over, instead of taxing themselves, they're going to have to be taxed by people elected by human beings as opposed to elected by themselves. So I, th- I think the Florida people may be all right with this. All right. So now to quote Jen Psaki, I'm going to circle back. I'm going to circle back to where we started. This idea that Republicans can't be conservative because they live in an R. Uh, hold on a minute, please. That's my damn it, Siri. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. So, um, Siri does that to me at the weirdest moments. Anyway, um, so if you have an R plus three, R plus four, you're in a district where you still got to deal with votes. What Ron DeSantis has shown us and shown the nation is that if you actually lead and you stop playing the politics with it and you lead from a conservative position, you will bring people over to your point of view, and even some of your opponents. Democrats in Florida actually support what Ron DeSantis has done. The majority of Democrats support it. And so now, what happened? So now you have President Biden chewing at the mouth, saying this is wrong. You've got every Democrat paper in the world, oh, poor Disney, oh, they're attacking Disney. But the people in Florida are saying, damn right, you don't come to our state with trying to sexualize children and think you're going to get over with it. Yeah, but the Democrats in Florida have an advantage. They actually get to live under a free government and see the benefits of a free government. Government, You know, Democrats up here don't get that advantage. Well, not yet. You have to throw out the liberals first. And you know who did that, by the way? Okay, you keep coming. I'm going to keep coming back. Rudy Giuliani, the mayor showed here. Mayor Giuliani, when he was in office, showed what can be done if you have leadership. And it's the same lesson now that we're seeing from Ron DeSantis. If you, and it's the same lesson, by the way, that we all saw from President Trump, for goodness sakes. For four years, he battled these people. And he got done things he wanted done, even with Republicans stabbing him in the back and Democrats stabbing him politically in his chest and in his heart. And he still got it done. That's leadership. And that's what these spineless, these spineless cretins that pretend to be Republicans ought to start learning. Leadership is important, but not everybody in the Army can be a general. You know that, James. There's yeah. got to be some captains. There's got to be some corporals. They're not all going to be generals. Just <sighs> like, you know, unlike in the public schools where everybody's at the top of the class and everybody gets an A, you know, there's gonna gotta, there's got to be a curve of people. There's going to be some people who lead, and then there's going to be some people who are in the pack, and there's no shame in that. But, you know, not everybody's going to be a leader. That's just reality. Wilson. Okay, Jersey Shore, let's head to the telephones really quickly. Kevin McCarthy, I want you to weigh in, Tom. What's your take on Kevin McCarthy, Mr. I-Want-to-Be-Speaker? First of all, 
great show. I like your lead-in style. I like everything about it. Uh, but uh, with McCarthy and McConnell, may I respectfully suggest to you, play a little bit of the OJs, backstabbers. <laughs> These guys in politics, they have no loyalty. All they want is the perks of their office, their salaries, a nice office, and what, um, what pork they can bring back to their district. I don't think they have principles anymore. Well, let me just say this about that. I'm going to say, as I always do, I'm going to remind everybody, if it wasn't for the turtle, Mitch McConnell, if it wasn't, that was Russia's nickname for Senator McConnell, the turtle. If it, was not for, if it were not for the turtle, we would not have a conservative Supreme Court right now. And the thing that liberals are most upset about, even more than the White House, even more than President Trump, they're upset at losing control over the Supreme Court because they know the long-term damage that that can do to their ideology. So no matter how mad we get at the turtle, we have to give them credit for that. As for McCarthy, I'm not going to say a word. Thank you for the call. We have Todd Benzman on the line. Todd Benzman, co-host of On the Border. Todd Benzman is with the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Todd, you have been warning, we have been warning on On the Border for the last two months what Title 42 was coming. Can you please bring listeners up to speed, Title 42, very quickly, and what is happening on the borders right now and what your forecast is? Title 42 is the pandemic Uh, related U.S. code that allows for the administrations to immediately expel all migrants caught at the border and to deny them access to the asylum system to control for the pandemic. We didn't want to have detention facilities just stuffed to the gills with sick migrants, so we kept them clear that way. Biden enters office and creates two gigantic cutouts in Title 42, which has caused our mass migration crisis, cutout for unaccompanied minors and cutouts for family units, large numbers of family units, not all of them, but enough to create this crisis that we're in now. So this was never intended to be a permanent fix. This was a temporary COVID-related measure and the Biden administration kept uh, most of it or some of it, but has been under extreme pressure from elements of of his far left uh, progressive wing of the coalition to dump it. So he agreed to dump it on May 23rd. The second that that was announced with the date put on it, we started to see this massive rush to the border very predictable and predicted. Uh, I think we talked about it here on this uh, program a number of times. That's what's happening now. We are uh, seeing historic numbers again. March was uh, 221,000 apprehensions at that border, completely swamped everything. They can't even do Title 42 anymore uh, in big sections of the border. And they're predicting that and, – and April is just as bad. Everything I'm hearing down there, it's just uh, just nonstop, all day long, all night. Uh, thousands and thousands just pouring over the border uh, and into northern Mexico waiting for the magic day, which is um, May 23rd. Now, we anticipate, Todd, that if 
If these numbers hold up, we could be, when you say historic, you're not kidding. This could be the single biggest surge of illegal immigrants into America in our history. In a one-year period, we could have as many as 6,000,000 new illegal immigrants in the country. And that would impact municipalities and state governments and their budgets all across America, correct? If that happens and those projections, which the projections are from the American intelligence community, uh, they're looking at, at, at the way things are coming uh, from South America and uh, Central America. So that's where they're getting that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, something that is really beyond the American experience. Uh, could be as high as 540000 a month coming in. Almost all of them get in because uh, we don't have the ability to process that many. The administration is moving forces and personnel and planes and uh, you know, uh, building uh, expansions onto uh, facilities down there, try to be able to handle this thing. Uh, there is one ray of hope here, which is just a sliver of a ray, which is that in increasing numbers of Democrats in the U.S. Senate uh, who are in tight races at home are starting to pressure the administration to put this off. But and 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 there there's actually some signs of wavering uh in the administration that we're seeing that maybe they're thinking about just putting this off until after the November elections but still you know even if they do that um you know we're still looking at at this massive surge that's happening now and an, a surge that would happen after the election Todd thank you that's the time we have I appreciate you we're going to continue with this on our next podcast series, On the Border. Thanks for joining us. Happy weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurgeon, with you here. WABC Talk Radio 77 back. Your calls right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurgeon, on 77 Perfect. WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. Hey, listen, tomorrow we've got something special lined up for you. We're going to have tomorrow on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, Chris Jasper. Who's Chris Jasper? He's one of the Osley brothers. And you can find tomorrow... On the Saturday morning, extravag- radio extravaganza here on WABC starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. Toward the end of the show, Chris Jasper is going to come in. Chris is going to debut a new composition for you. I've heard it. It's badass. You're going to love it. It's really nice. And um, we're going to have, and we're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about his life with the Isleys. I hope we have enough time to do that. And what an amazing group the Isley brothers have been over the course. Wow, they've been on stage, must be. For about 50 years now. Let's head to the telephones. Anthony, Staten Island, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. Bo Snurdly, I just want to say that you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, after Rush passed, they tried to fill his shoes with a bunch of different people, uh, new people. Uh, you know, people like Mark Levin is not in this conversation. But you are doing a phenomenal job 
filling the void that Rush left. I just want to say that. Wow. Thank you. I'm truly, wow, humbled by that. Thank you so much. It's all the truth. I'm not just saying this to, uh, you know, make you feel better. You're doing a great job. And on the commute home, you know, where I miss Rush's commentaries, uh, you're doing a great job filling that void. And thank you. Well, thank you. And you have just led me into something. Uh, There is an announcement, another announcement, besides Chris Jasper joining us tomorrow. On Monday, Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we're going to begin this radio show with a new title. The new title will be Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. That starts this Monday. So keep it here. Now, also, I will be on the air all next week here on WABC at 12 noon for one hour. And that's a great testament to a great man. You're doing a great job. Great, great job. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that so much, Anthony. Thank you. John in Queens, New York. WABC. What's your point, John? We are winding up in time on Friday. What's what's on your mind? Okay, what's my mind? First, put on some Black Sabbath Felizia Queen for crying out loud. Oh, okay. Second, all right, some black, some real, some real deep purple, some rush. Put on rush anthem. That's a, put some real music. That's number one. Number two. First of all, I do first of all whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, do not be insulting. We play real music on here every single day. Now, you can say you can add to your real music by playing some Black Sabbath, and I'm, you know, I'm down with that. We're all good. But we play real, we jam here every single day. So let's not be insulting. Let's act out of love, my brother. What's, up? What's else on your mind? You were playing some uh, Madonna wannabe. That was horrible. Anyway. <laughs> that was Rich Radabali's tune. Okay, I said the woman sounded like Madonna, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, so what else you got? Now, this Anglo-Saxon empire is finished. Come on. You make it, people make it under the, the United Snakes of America. The United Snakes of America. So now you're going to insult our country. First you get on, you insult the music. Then you insult Rich Rider Bally and tell him he's playing some Madonna sound like girl in here. And now you're going to call our country, our beloved America, the United Snakes of America. Listen, my friend, my dear friend, I want you to call us back and I want you to continue to listen because here's what I want to happen. Over a period of time listening here, I would love it if you would learn to appreciate and love this country that we're in. Okay, because this country has given you the opportunity that you can call in here and be all negative. We still love you and we're always going to love you. But over time, you might become positive. Okay, and you might lose this anger that you have. And when you lose anger, you know what comes into your heart? Good. You feel better. And then when you communicate with people, you make them feel better. And it's not about all this anger and the United States. The United States is the most wonderful, beautiful country in the world. We have brought more freedom and liberty to more people and more prosperity to more people in this world than any other people. And we have done that with the American lives. And so many American lives have been lost in the century since this country was founded to bring and make that freedom and liberty possible. And instead of ingratitude and hatred for it, open your heart and have some gratitude, bro. Nothing wrong with it. You'll feel better and you'll make those people around you feel better too. Now, as for an empire being over, Anglo-Saxon, as you say, America has always been more than that. 
And so to try to narrow it into that little perspective and say it's over, no. And America is far from over. In fact, if you look at world history, we are still a very young nation. The best days of America are in front of us. You compare us to the thousands-year-old nations of the world, whether they be from nations that were formerly in the Ottoman Empire, whether they be from nations that were formerly in the Persian Empire, whether they be in nations that were in the African empires that go back into ancient Timbuktu and beyond, whether it go back, you can go back and look to the 11,000 years ago when people first crossed the Bering Straits. You will find no other country, no other country on the face of this earth that has committed so much life, liberty, and prosperity toward the idea of making other people free. And you will not find a more generous nation in the world than America. We have helped people and we continue to help people all over the world when there is a disaster. So, again, you can be negative. But if you open up your heart and understand the good that America was done, all of that stuff would go by the wayside. Helen. Fairfield, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. Hello, James Golden. So yesterday you had a, a guest on who talked about after-school programs and that children from 3 to 6 who are waiting from um, and they're done with school and they get into all kinds of issues and problems and so forth because they don't have any supervision and their parents aren't there yet to pick them up because they're working. So this is in the mid-70s. I worked on the Lower East Side at the University Settlement House. I ran their daycare center. And we opened up an after-school program at the Rafael Hernandez houses. And from 3 to 6, we would have a couple of teachers and an aide walk over to PS20, pick up the kids, bring them to the community center at the uh, Rafael Hernandez houses. First, they got a snack. And then they worked on homework. And when they were done with their homework, we had all kinds of art projects or reading projects or things that we could uh, do with the children that would keep them occupied in a good way until their parents came to pick them up at 6 o'clock. Now, if we could do that in the mid-'70s, what on earth is going on that we can't do it now? Well, you know, it's a funny thing that you mentioned that. And I'm so so happy for the question because the guest that you mentioned – that was on yesterday, happens to be in our studio again today. That would be governor, former governor of New York, Mr. Patterson, who's here. We just, we're in the waning moments. We just have a lady responding to yesterday what you said, governor, that we should have after-school daycare centers. And she said they did that in her neighborhood. They provided kids with snacks. They provided them with, uh, uh, with the attention so that they could do their homework. And they and then they kept them there till six o'clock. This is exactly what you said yesterday. She said it's already been done, and if we could do it in the seventies, how come we can't do it now, Governor Patterson? Why is that? Well, it really wouldn't. You know, there'd be some negotiating that would have to occur, but in the end, it could be accomplished. It could be done, and I don't understand. This is the agrarian calendar from 1880, James. This is they sent the children home early because they had to work in the farms and they rounded up, you know, the the kids and and somebody would would keep them. I don't understand why 
uh, everyone, when I tell it to people, everyone says, oh, that sounds great. But no one's ever really helped me start that movement to change the timing of school, not only the afternoon part, but these kids who are walking into classes at 7, 7.30 in the morning like zombies when all of the tests have shown that the brain of a young person or a teenager really doesn't start operating until 9 or 9.30. Can I help you with that? Can we do this? Can we start this? Can we get other people interested in this, Governor? I'm with you. I'm with I'm you. With you. I'm with All right. you. There we go. <laughs> Let's make this happen. Let's no. I'm serious. Let's make this happen. And and it would be from both sides of the aisle. How yes. could, How could we miss? Let's make it happen. James, go. Thank you, Governor. And I'm looking forward to having you in here when we have a full hour. Our show's wrapping up here. WABC Talk Radio 77. Where's the music? Where's my music? Thank you. <laughs> I have the best crew in the whole world. And I just want to give some love to them. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what it's like to work around such great, positive people all the time. I do. It is a blessing. And I appreciate all of you. Here at WABC Talk Radio 77, I'll be back on Monday at noon. And then again, I'll be back for the Boston Early Rush Hour at 4. All that happens on Monday. Tomorrow, Isley Brothers join us. God bless each and every one of you. Protect each and every one of you and your families. We are New York strong. And we live in America With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.